I'm Brooke Gurley, and you are listening to Untold Stories, the cases that shaped the civil rights movement, presented by Law and Crime. This podcast is the audio adaptation of my video series titled The Untold Stories of the Civil Rights Movement. And now, on to this week's episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Untold series, where each week I look at what I think are important civil rights cases. I discuss and break them down and I let you know why I think they're important. Whether you have joined via Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, or the podcast, or some other device that I know not of, thank you so much. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, and please do me a favor. Right now, hit the share button and share this information out. I would greatly appreciate that because I think this is some important information that people need to know about. So this week, in keeping step with what we did last week with Hernandez versus Texas, um, in our longer discussion on jury selection, I wanted to focus on a very, 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 you get the picture. An important Supreme Court case called Batson versus Kentucky. It was decided in 1986. So just a little, like, the step back and tell you where we are. So back in Strader versus West Virginia, that case said, hey, you can't exclude people on the basis of race from serving on the jury. However, a defendant is not entitled to a jury that is composed of people of his particular race. You don't have a constitutional right, in other words, to have a black person on the jury if you are a black person. And then we had the case of Norris versus Alabama with the Scottsboro Boys, and there you had the law that said black people could serve on the jury, but uh, when they actually looked at the statistics, there had been no black people who served on the jury. So you had the systematic exclusion of black people, even though the law was on its face racially neutral. And the court said that was a violation of the Equal Protection Clause. And then, of course, last week we had the, the case of Hernandez versus Texas that expanded that to not just black and white, but also to Hispanic Americans as well and other protected classes of people. So this week, like I said, I want to talk, discuss Batson versus Kentucky. So let's get into the facts of this case. The facts. So this case of Batson versus Kentucky involves a gentleman by the name of James K. Batson. And during the early 80s, he said initially he was a good student, you know, did well, but suddenly things took a turn um, when he saw people who were not doing as well, but were successful and had, you know, Chuck Taylors when you wanted Chuck Taylors and all of that. So he started to get into a life of petty crime. Admittedly, he says this in an interview that it was a petty crime, but nothing very serious. Um, and so one day in 1982, he was pulled over by the police and he was charged with second-degree burglary and for possession or receipt of stolen goods. Um, apparently, two people witnessed him breaking into someone's house. He denied it. He said, I didn't do that. He's like, yes, I was doing things, but I did not do this particular case, this particular burglary. So Mr. Basson says, I didn't do this. I want a jury trial. And the case goes to trial, and the prosecutor there is a new prosecutor. He was only 26 years old, so like straight out of law school. He had lost his first eight trials, uh, was in need of a win, and his name was Joe Goodman, white gentleman, and he tries this case. So the case goes to trial the first time, and there was one jury that was a holdout, and it was the black woman on the jury. And he later talked to her, and she said, you know, everybody else wanted me to push to have you convicted, but I just didn't think that the evidence was there. I didn't think you were guilty. Prosecutor, Mr. Goodman, decides to retry this case. And this time, during the jury selection process, or, or what's called voir dire, or voir dire, if you're from the South, um, during that process, you had what's called a venire panel. So you had, that's the potential jurors who could serve on this jury. And of the potential jurors, you had four black people, only four black people. 
And during the jury selection process, so just to back up and give a little explanation of the jury selection process, you can strike people either for cause or based upon your peremptory challenges. Now, a for cause strike means that um, this person is biased in some blatant way, so like the potential juror knows the prosecutor, that's his brother, or that's her, <laughs> her sister. Another cause could be, um, I can't do this, this is a financial hardship, I won't be able to focus. Or someone else can say that they have certain disabilities or that prevents them from being able to sit down for long periods of time so they won't be able to focus. Those are things that you can do for cause, and you have an unlimited amount of for cause strikes. And then the second type of strike is called a peremptory challenge. And not preemptory, but peremptory challenge. This type of challenge goes back centuries and allows you to strike a juror, a potential juror, for any reason at all. And so in this case, with Batson for the second trial, Mr. Gutman decides to use his peremptory challenge to strike all the black people from the jury panel. After they did that, Mr. Batson leans over to his attorney and says, object to that, you know. And the attorney's like, why? You know, he can strike the juror for any reason at all. Now it's also important to note, and this is something that often happens um, at trial, you have a defendant that's black and everybody else is white, except for maybe the juror, the potential juror members, who in this case, the prosecutor just struck. So that left Mr. Batson as the only black person participating in this trial. And he said object. His, his attorney didn't want to do it initially. His attorney was white as well. But eventually he objected. And when he went to go and argue why he was objecting, the, the judge said, look, we're not even going to argue this. He, the prosecutor has a right to strike any juror that he wants. He struck him. Let's move forward. Um, and thankfully, Thankfully, Mr. Batson's attorney did that because that was enough to preserve the issue on appeal. Um, the second jury comes back with a guilty verdict. This all-white jury comes back with a guilty verdict. And Mr. Batson is given 20 years for second-degree burglary. He goes to prison and he immediately appeals. And his appeal is given to um, another public defender's office. And they say, okay, let's just take kind of what they call a tour of the jurisdictions to see how other jurisdictions are using their peremptory challenges. Are they also using those to exclude black people or minorities from jury pools? And lo and behold, they found that yes, the vast majority of them in the South and West, all over the country, they were using their peremptory challenges to remove black people from uh, potential serving on the jury. So armed with this information, they appealed and said that the use of the peremptory challenge to remove African Americans from the jury pool is a violation of the Sixth Amendment fair, uh, right to a fair trial and the 14th Amendment equal protection clause. They lose at the, the Kentucky Supreme Court level and they appeal and it goes all the way up to the United States Supreme Court. The issue. The issue in this case was whether or not the prosecutor's use of his peremptory challenges to remove all the African Americans from the jury pool was that a violation of the Sixth Amendment right to a fair trial and the Equal Protection Clause of the Fourteenth Amendment. The holding. Yes, the court ruled that it was a violation of the Sixth and Fourteenth Amendment to remove all African Americans from the jury pool with his peremptory challenge. The reasoning. The reasoning in this case really is a balancing act between the use of peremptory challenges, which date back centuries, long before America, and the need to prevent discrimination in the criminal justice system. And so what the court says, yes, we affirm the use of peremptory challenges. We're saying that they still are um, available to people. We still want them, but you cannot, you cannot do so in a discriminatory fashion. And so the court said, not only 
does the, the removal of African-Americans from the jury pool violate the constitutional rights of that particular defendant, but it also undermines our system and it makes people not have trust and confidence in our criminal justice system. So what the court ended up doing here is creating what is now known as the Batson Rule or a Batson Challenge. So if a defendant, and later on it can be any party, but whether or not if a defendant believes that the state or the prosecutor has removed people from uh, the jury pool who are part of his or her protected class, then they can challenge the prosecutor and say, give a race-neutral reason for the removal of this person. And once the defendant has made what's called a prima facie showing, which is, is very basic, it's saying, hey, I noticed you removed, that's the second black person you removed from the jury, can you give us a race-neutral reason? Then the state has to give a race-neutral reason, which could be any reason at all. So it could be, well, you know, this person seems kind of young and it's been my experience that so young people don't take these trials seriously. Now I normally don't highlight concurring and dissenting opinions, but this is another instance where I must do it. It's from, it's a concurring opinion by Justice Thurgood Marshall, my civil rights hero. And he expresses concerns that I also share. So I'm just gonna read it. I would also recommend that you read the entire concurring opinion. He says, any prosecutor can easily assert facially neutral reasons for striking a juror and the trial courts are ill-equipped to second-guess those reasons. How is the court to treat a prosecutor's statement that he struck a juror because the juror had a son about the same age as the defendant, or seemed uncommunicative, or never cracked a smile, and therefore did not possess the sensitivities necessary to realistically look at the issue and decide the facts in this case? Then Justice Marshall also goes to the issue of what we now call implicit bias, but what he's saying is subconscious racism, and I think we should get back to that language because that's what it is. He's saying sometimes the prosecutors, even though they mean well, they may not even be aware fully of their own subconscious racism. And he says, nor is it outright prevarication by prosecutors the only danger here. It is even possible that an attorney may lie to himself in an effort to convince himself that his motives are legal. A prosecutor's own conscious or unconscious racism may lead him easily to the conclusion that a prospective black juror is sullen or distant, a characterization that would not have come to his mind if a white juror had acted identically. So what ended up happening is that uh, Batson's case obviously was reversed and he gave up a life of crime and um, he's a truck driver, construction worker. And he wrote a book, and it's called The War on Jails. He says that it's about um, trying to persuade people not to engage in a life of crime similar to what he did. And Mr. Goodman, the prosecutor in that case, he actually left the practice of law. He said he saw too many bad things. He left the practice of law, and he now teaches at a predominantly black uh, high school in Kentucky. But here's the real odd part, is that Batson and Goodman are actually friends right now. After Batson wrote his book, he gave it to Goodman. He's like, you know, read this. What do you think? Um, and Goodman read it, and the two of them are now friends, which, you know, these trials, you can't make it up. You can't make it up. So why is this case important? Well, I think it's obvious on some level why it's important, because it speaks to this history of excluding black people from juries, um, starting with Strader and then even more recently with the Flat Curtis Flowers case, which I may or may not get into a little later. Um, but I also think it's important because you have two important boxes in American society, I believe. 
the voting box where we decide on our leadership and the overall direction of our country, and the jury box where we hand out justice. And this case highlights the exclusion of black people yet again in the decisions of justice in society. And like the court said in its opinion, this undermines our criminal justice system, it undermines our society, it is over, it's very hurtful, not just to black people, but to society at large. And it's a reminder of us to be vigilant in how we are approaching our criminal justice system, how black people should approach the criminal justice system. Because it's important to note that after this, uh, states could have had one of two reactions. They could have said, oh my goodness, all right, how do we make sure that we're not um, being discriminatory in the way that we use our peremptory challenges. That's one approach that they could have used. Um, but instead, what a lot of jurisdictions did was say, okay, how do we make sure that we continue to exclude minorities from the jury, the jury process without violating or without um, running afoul of Batson? So then they start saying stuff like, make sure you take notes so that if you have to give a reason, you have one written down. Um, and so again, it's just a, like I said, it's a reminder to be vigilant as black people too. And this is another reason why I think it's important. When you go into the jury selection process, one, don't try to get out of it because you can't complain about the criminal justice system. But when you have an opportunity to participate, you're trying to get out of it. That's one. Also, because we know that they are trying to exclude African Americans from the jury box, um, don't give them a reason to do that. Keep your answers short, honest, but keep them short. And it's not time to pontificate about life and all of your theories on life. It's time to just answer the question as short as possible. If it can be answered with a yes or no, then give a yes or no response. Because the scope of what they can get away with to exclude black people is very broad. You wanna give them as little reason as possible um, to get on, to kick you off the jury. Remember, I'm gonna keep saying this, be vigilant, be vigilant. If you like this video, please be sure to hit the like button, whether that's up or down, wherever. Please be sure to subscribe. I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I'm on YouTube, I'm on Twitter, and of course I have a blog, palookiesworld.com. Make sure you subscribe there so you'll never miss a new episode. I also have the podcast. I'm on Apple and Spotify. Please go and subscribe there. Uh, rate it. Of course, I would love a five-star review. Those are preferred. That helps people find the podcast. Also, please be sure to leave a comment. I would love to hear from you. Get your thoughts on something. If you have an idea for an episode, I would love to hear that as well. Until next time, be vigilant, be blessed. See you next week. To watch the video series that inspired this podcast, head over to my blog, palookiesworld.com, and make sure you subscribe. For more information on this series, like how do you spell Paluki, please check out the show notes. Finally, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode.